Hi, this is Susie McGrath. I play Tam Rivor in Star Wars Resistance, and you're listening to Radio Dakar. Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to Resistance, The Mandalorian, and more. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and I've got my co-host, Lula Han, with me. Hey. Hey, hey, and we've got Brownie the Porg with us. So, we are talking today about uh, Star Wars Resistance, Season 2, Episode 8, Rendezvous Point. I loved that one. You loved it? What did you love about it? So, I loved when they got the Star Killer thing on fire. The Star Destroyer? Oh, when, when they uh, set all the stuff on the Star Destroyer on fire? That was yeah. pretty cool. But why did they do that? Well, it was a distraction, so the uh, Torch and um, uh, Vanessa Doza could escape. Why? Well, like, that, that's, what, they... that's what you do. You, like, create a fire on one side, and then you run to the other side and get on your ship. That way they don't see you. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. like a big distraction. Yeah. But why did they want to destroy where Tam is? Um, well, it wasn't so much about Tam being there. They were just trying to escape. Well, have you ever watched Empire Strikes Back? Once, uh, yeah. <laughs> Look at the walker leg. Ha-cha, cha Oh, you made a walker leg out of your blocks? Yeah. All right. All right, so what What, el- what else about the episode? Oh, all I want to say is may the force be with you while I want. May the force be with you, buddy. That That's it for this week? No. Oh, hi, Mushka. Yeah, uh, Mushka the cat is here. And Wampa's over there. And Wampa the cat, yeah. We're recording this on Thanksgiving. We're just relaxing and having a good evening. I love the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the sweet potatoes and the corn and blah, blah, blah. Yes, we had, we had a good dinner today. Mama, so. it's not Christmas, Brownie. <laughs> It'll be Brownie, uh, Christmas soon, Brownie. Then you'll, you'll, you'll be happy. All right, so I'll yeah I'll Should talk. I celebrate before <clears throat> That's crazy. December. Well, but um. You threw a it, toy Krabby well, Patty. I will um keep talking about the episode if you wanna you wanna play with your stuff and hang out with Brownie. That's cool. But we will see you soon for another episode, buddy. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. So this episode was directed by uh, Bosco Ng and written by Jennifer Corbett. And uh, it was just a really well done episode. Uh, It was very, very contained as far as where the uh, plot took place. But uh, a lot of revelations, um, you know, as we were going through season one, you know, I didn't expect it to get to this point with certain things. And uh, just good emotion from the characters. Um, what's funny is it starts out with a shot of a space station, which isn't part of the plot at all. Um, but it's a neat, um, a neat visual and kind of a calm before the storm because it jumps right into a space battle uh, with the aces and uh, the First Order. It turns out you've got the Star Destroyer there, you've got the Colossus there. 
and I really enjoyed the dynamics of the battle. And I, you know, I mentioned a couple episodes ago that um, seems like it was starting to get repetitive with. Um, oh, the first order shows up and is pounding the Colossus, and uh, they escape just in time. But th- this felt different enough because you know the Colossus was putting itself out there and hanging around, as we find out, um, because they have a rendezvous set. Um, but they have to, you know, they're not like, oh, having to get the engines back online or anything. They're like, okay, we're going to hold out as long as we can, then we'll go. Uh, so it added, added some nice tension right at the beginning of the episode. And when, uh, Cass was being chased by, uh, uh, TIE fighter and we get the, uh, cockpit shots of the pilot, um, as they're trying to, um, zero in on Kaz, I thought, oh, I wonder if that's Tam, and if they would show that. They didn't, and so we have to guess who it is, but uh, Bucket's List kind of implied that it was supposed to be Tam originally, but they went away from that. Um, you know, it's good to see uh, the use of the guns on the Colossus, um, that it was, you know, they, they were mounting all the defenses they could against the TIE Fighters. So, you know, the, I, I thought it was neat. The Colossus does the escape right as um, the X-Wing shows up. So it's kind of like that, that shot at the end of Rogue One where the Rebel fleet is trying to jump to hyperspace and uh, Darth Vader's Star Destroyer shows up. Yeah, just a really neat visual of the in and outs of hyperspace. Uh, so then we, as we find out, Pretty soon into the episode, our mystery X-Wing pilot is um, Vanessa Doza, uh, which is Captain Doza's wife, Tora's mom, and voiced by um, uh, Tasia Valenza, who, uh, as we found out, was the voice of uh, Shakti on Clone Wars. So she's no stranger to uh, Star Wars, which is really neat. And, um, you know, besides her, her backstory, you know, re- really dig what they did with the look for uh, Vanessa and her droid uh, Torch. You know, they, they talked on Bucket's List, uh, and they went with older, like, rebels, Rebel designs, uh, stuff she stuck with for a while. Her X-Wing was kind of unique with the side-lifting canopy. And the uh, the torpedo mountings, uh, torch, you know, looked really cool with kind of the the transparent dome on his um, body, and how um, his the one big eye that typically comes with R two units uh, looked like an iris. Um, he looked kind of dark for an R2 unit, even though he was on the, the rebel slash resistance side, but I, I really dug the design of everything. So, uh, of course she's captured and, um, you know, it does turn out that this star destroyer is the one that agent tyranny is on. Uh, we don't get, uh, commander Pyre in this episode, but that's okay. And tyranny, 
you know, even though I thought she was out of character a couple of episodes ago, um, you know, she was nice and menacing in this episode. Uh, her, you know, calculating self. You know, she wasn't as... Um, I don't want to say seductive, but how she's influenced Tam and tried to stir her over to their side. Um, this was more about, yes, we've captured somebody we need to get information from and take out. Apologies if I'm taking breaks at the moment and after the low voice, I'm having my annual cold, so my throat's a little scratchy. Uh, it's not going to stop me from doing the show, though. Uh, we, we've got plenty of uh, Resistance and uh, Mandalorian to get through. Uh, so we uh, switch over to uh, the Aces Lounge, where they're talking about um, you know the circumstances of the space battle. You know, Kaz is included, and he's an ace now. So it it was neat um, to see he at least felt more comfortable in the lounge to be uh, sitting where he was, even though they were he was kind of tense with you know of course Taurus distraught because um, since she didn't get to meet up with her mother and the other aces are trying to figure out what what's going on and then switch back over to the Star Destroyer you've got um, you do have Tam and Jace Rucklin talking. And, uh, you know, Reckland's still, like, the devil on Tam's shoulder, you know, trying to, you know, keep her in line as far as, you know, every time she has a doubt about her old friends on the Colossus, you know, Reckland's there. It's like, oh, they've probably been working for the Resistance the whole time, and... You know, he's he's a little weasel, <laughs> for sure. And i got to give a lot of credit to Elijah Wood for um, the work he's done this season. He's really upped that character uh, from what was, you know, like two or three episode appearance last year. Uh, switch back over to the Colossus, and, you know, we get some uh, teases there from Niku before more is revealed. Talks about how uh, Tora and Captain Doza go away, you know, on this date every year, um, and that they, you know, Cass noticed that that started six years ago, um, and then makes the connection that that's when the resistance was begun by General Alea, which, as we know, that happened in Bloodline, the uh, novel by Claudia Gray. So it's neat. Um, even though we already knew it through, you know, like the press release and the literature and everything, it's neat for, uh, that it's confirmed that the formation of the resistance was six years before this episode, uh, which, which does line up so that, you know, it's nice to have acknowledgement of that. Um... So as, you know, Kaz, you know, goes to the doses and, you know, they reveal that that's her mother that they're looking for. Um, 
you know, it made me think, you know, were there hints in season one that even though they're not in the resistance themselves, you know, did Captain Doza or Tora ever give hints that they were connected to the resistance, that they had family? Um, yeah, uh, something that's going to be worthy of a revisit, um, especially after the uh, uh, series is concluded uh, early next year. You know, I never considered that, um, you know, her mother would be, like, current resistance. Um, you know, Myrna Velasco gave hints of that when she was interviewed on Geeky Bubble Pod. And I think there was mention of it in uh, the Women of Star Wars book by Amy Radcliffe about her mom being a former rebel pilot. So... You know, that had been established, though not on the show. Um, but, you know, just because someone's former rebel doesn't mean they be, they, went, they became resistance. And, uh, even though quite a few have. But, you know, and, and almost immediately after this, uh, Yeager says that, um, you know, he, he knew uh, Vanessa. Vanessa. Vanessa, yeah. <laughs> Had to think. Uh, I've got it written down, but I had to think about the uh, pronunciation. Um, and I believe um, she was named after uh, Athena Portillo's sister. Uh, she's uh, the executive producer, uh, so that was that was really cool. So that's where they got the name. Um, you know, he mentioned that they fought together when they were rebel pilots. Um, and that she had uh, Captain Doza. A defect from the Empire because he was an Imperial captain. Um, then finding out that when you know they found out about the First Order and the Resistance was being organized those six years ago, that Doza wanted to stay out of the fight, but she, Captain Doza, wanted to stay out of the fight, and that she um, couldn't resist the fight. Um, but. You know, just that one, you know, this little conversation with Yeager really makes me want to see them in, uh, like, some of the Star Wars comics or, you know, if they ever do more stories about the, you know, the time of um, the Battle of Jakku, stuff like that. Because, we you know, Yeager fought there, you know, was she involved with that? Um... You know, I had my suspicions for a while that Yeager might be a character in Alphabet Squadron, which he wasn't in the first book. But I wonder if Alphabet Squadron gets to the Battle of Jakku, maybe um, both he and her uh, are involved. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's official, but I since um, the Star Wars comic on the reboot is going to take place between uh, Empire and Jedi, that Shara Bay is showing up. So, I mean, that's an opportunity for other rebel pilots like uh, Jarek or uh, Vanessa um, to show up. So hopefully so. That would be really cool. Uh, but we're back on the Star Destroyer and Tam wants to um, confront Miss Doza. And, you know, I think it's telling that she introduces herself as DT-533. You know, she's not seeing herself as Tam anymore. 
and and throughout the rest of this episode, whenever they're having their talks, uh, there's echoes of uh, like the way Han talked to um, uh, Ben Solo on the on the bridge. You know, he he's referring to himself as Kylo Ren, and you know that Ben was somebody that he you know is no no longer there talking about him as if he's a different person. You know, Tam's kind of doing that here. Um, I gotta say, like, you know, if this is where the seeds are planted for Tam to eventually go back to the Colossus, which I figure she would uh, by the end of the series, you know, as she was going down that path at the end of season one, you know, I never suspected that it would be Tora's mom who would get her on the path back. Um, yeah, so nice, nice swerve and storytelling by the creators, uh, to get us to this point. Cause yes, I did not see that as a potential, you know, just because they had left hints, you know, you figured they would have, we would have met her mom at some point, but for her to be this involved is, is really neat. Um, yeah, I just wrote down, Torch is awesome. Um, yeah, I saw the episode late on Sunday evening, and um, people throughout the day were already talking about him, so I thought, okay, he's got to be a good droid. Um, they're like playing dead, and, uh, um, you know, effective use of um, his tools to shut doors and uh, shock people when he needed to. And the whole, the pyromania that he did in the hangar bay was pretty awesome. You know, it was like little Han was asking, he was like, why would he set off all those explosions and everything? I was like, it's a good distraction, you know. Um, and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get to um, how they escape in a minute. I gotta give a shout out to Kaz's line when uh, he's confronting Tor in the hangar bay. Um, poorly thought out plans are right at my alley. <laughs> That's, yeah. Great line. Uh, written by Jennifer Corbett and great delivery by Christopher Shaw. And I loved that line. So fitting for Kaz. Um, you know, we get the reveal that it's Tor's birthday and that's why they do the annual meetup, which is really sweet. Um... You know, when Brooklyn is threatening to shoot um, Vanessa, you know, she's kind of bringing out conflict in him, in, in him too. I I personally don't think he's going to go back to the Colossus. I think he'll stick with the First Order and meet his end that way in some way or another. Um, yeah, it's interesting on, on this scene where they were kind of having that standoff, uh, Vanessa, you know, mentions that the first order destroys planets, you know, without explicitly saying Hosnian prime. So, you know, and I've, you know, talked about it before and, um, you know, it was a question brought up by my friends at jam transmissions, um, you know, did Tam turn without knowing about the full deadly capabilities of the First Order? You know, was she blind to that? Was it withheld from her? 
Um, so as she's hearing this, does she make the connection or has she been told at this point now that she's in the first order? Because you got to think, especially after, um, you know, the Battle of Starkiller based and the Battle of Crate or the Battle of Dakar, which had definitely both happened at this point. Um, you know, how does she feel about what they've been doing? Um, but, you know, she still has her ideals and believes that they're helping her, even though they're really not. Um, so we'll see. We'll, it, it, we'll still see if that pl- plays any uh, effect on her opinions. Um, now, there was some name dropping throughout the episode. Um, because right here, uh, Vanessa um, talks to Torch about how they escaped Terex, which is Agent Terex, who is in the Poe Dameron comic. Um, you know, I did a whole review episode on that comic series. And so, um, Agent Terex was a really good, complicated character. Uh, so if she had a run-in with him, that was that would be pretty cool. And she did mention a couple of worlds, uh, Bakura and um, Lehan, uh, which Bakura is, you know, that's one of the first... Legends novels I read the truce of Bakura. I always called it Bakura. Uh, all those years, I actually had debates with my uh, my friend Eddie over uh, what the true pronunciation of it was, because we never back then we just we didn't do the audiobooks we just read them. Um, so it's and I think uh, Bakura is mentioned by Ray in the Rise of the Resistance ride. Um, so it's made its way into the new canon. I don't know if we'll ever see it or not. And uh, I think Lehan is another wor- uh, name for uh, Ricotta Prime uh, in Legends. Um, you know, uh, Vanessa Vin- Vin- makes the mention that Yeager um, thought of thinks of Tam as a do- another daughter and I guess I never made that connection either you know here he is you know he had the tragic backstory of having lost his wife and daughter and yeah I guess he did consider Tam another another child you know taking care of her on the Colossus and you know it obviously hurt him when she went away in No Escape Part 2 um so that that was, you know, that was an interesting line, something I hadn't considered. I liked how thought provoking this episode was. You know, it was like things, little little things that never really considered in the first episode are being brought being brought to light here. So I thought that was really effective writing. Um, so as you know, Torch is uh, setting all the explosives and everything. I loved. You know, it's just good visuals of, you know, he's in the foreground uh, setting the explosives. And then also Venice's in the foreground with Tam. Meanwhile, you've got the stormtroopers in the background running around because, you know, some of the fires have already been set off and everything. And you see the chaos with them. You know, it was just, yeah, just really good visuals there. And I love the escape plan. Um, You know, it's got hints of... Uh, the hangar escape in Force Awakens, but it's different enough where, um, you know, you've just got 
uh, torch and the TIE fighter, you know, trying to draw all the fire and, you know, eventually letting it get destroyed while uh, Venisa can get to her ship and uh, rescue him once uh, once they're out of uh, the hangar bay. Um, also, I mean, it's also like uh, Chopper and uh, Rebels and then uh, also Chopper and um, Lego All-Stars um, piloting ships out of the hangar bay just to, you know, make their escape. So droids are very, uh, very, very versatile. I like that. You know, so once they get out of there and go into hyperspace, you know, I thought maybe the episode would would end with her catching up to the Colossus just in a different locale. But that didn't happen. She jumped to hyperspace and went somewhere. So ho- hopefully we'll see her again. Imagine we will. Um, so as Tyranny's, you know, dressing down Tam for, um, you know, the whole the whole problem here, uh, you know, is she rethinking her position on not conditioning Tam like uh, Pyre wanted? You know, she wanted her to keep her individuality and thought it might be to their advantage, but uh, it really backfired here. So we'll see if she rethinks her strategy on this whole thing. Yeah, a good a good tyranny episode. Um, okay, so then we get uh, they do celebrate Tor's birthday with the aces, and they have well, they it's a gorg and a cake as far as they're concerned. But it's the first thing I thought of was the stapler and the jello mold on the office. Which, if you've watched any version of the office, that gag is in the u.s version it's in the british version it's even in i think when steve carell hosted saturday night live they um they did like a japanese version of the office and they still put that in uh so yeah i love the the stapler and the jello uh, gag so even though they said it was cake visually it looks like a gorgon jello and it was great of course, little home was worried it might be bitey, but it wasn't. Which, by the way, we, where's bitey? We need more bitey this season. We, when we finally got Tam back after a few episodes, we need more bitey. And then, of course, um, the episode ends on a really sweet thing where we see uh, it's almost like a, you know, the Star Wars version of a family movie. You know, watching the old, uh, you know, like, well, nowadays it would be digital or you know go back a little bit it's vhs but i would think about like christmas vacation when clark's up in the uh the attic and watching the old reel of home movies um yeah you get and and also he's called emmanuel for the first time i think it i think it's the first time it's spoken that that's his first name but emmanuel and vanessa doza having their talk about what they have to do and about how to race Torah and make her strong as a pilot. Um, just, you know, really uh, very bittersweet, you know, because it's heartwarming but heartbreaking uh, because of what they're having to do to make everything better for themselves as a family. Um, but shout out to Myrna Velasco and Jason Hightower for doing, um, you know, 
great job with the emotion of the whole thing. So hopefully we get the family united at some point uh, this season, which we hopefully we will. Uh, but that was the episode. Really good stuff. Um, looking forward to more racing on next week's episode. Um, but just a really good family type episode this week. Um, but little Han and I will be back to talk about that next week. We'll be talking about uh, the Mandalorian Chapter Four early next week. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and cut it short before my voice goes out. Um, so yeah, really enjoyable episode this week. Uh, thank you to all involved on it. Thank you all to, for listening. Uh, you can find us on social media, um, Instagram and Twitter at Radio Dakar. Uh, all the Radio Dakar episodes are on uh, the Anchor FM, um, Anchor.fm, the Anchor app. Uh, you can also find it on SoundCloud, I, uh, Apple, uh, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify. Uh, you can become a patron, patron of the show and support us at patreon.com slash Radio Dakar. Until next time, thank you for listening and may the force be with you.